We'd like to welcome you to our current event in weekly Bible study for October 25th, 2009. I'm sorry, this is part two of our swine flu updates for this week. <clears throat> and the next article is entitled that CBS, the TV station, reveals that swine flu cases are seriously overestimated. <clears throat> now this, I'm going to play you a clip here from uh, Dr. Mercola and I believe Barbara Fisher. Regarding this, uh, two doctors that are going to be talking about this, and then we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth after the interview. So let's go ahead and play this clip for you. Okay, welcome everyone to another incredible update on this very important issue of the swine flu. We have with us today, uh, Barbara Fisher was just... Uh, uh, featured on our special report earlier this week uh, on its critical alert swine flu update. And she is the founder of the National Vaccine Information Center and has been actively involved in vaccine education and in, uh, process for the last 30 years or so. So the, the, the purpose for this audio interview today is to give you information about some breaking news that was just recently released by CBS News, what, it, um, what appears to be a massive disinformation campaign by the U.S. federal government. And they essentially are distorting and, get, and get providing figures that don't line up, absolutely do not line up with what they've been telling us. So I'm going to let Barb go into more of the specifics and the details now, and I'll be questioners as we go along. So, Barb, why don't you uh, highlight for the listeners what the, what the, the uh, news story from CBS uh, was all about. Yes, uh, excellent uh, investigative piece, a uh, three-month investigation by CBS News, uh, looking at uh, just how many of these cases of influenza that have been reported to the government and reported by the government to the people were actually H1N1 swine flu confirmed. And this is a very important uh, point because if all of the cases that have been reported by the government to be H1N1 are not actually H1N1. We have a major a problem here in terms of public perception about just how serious and pervasive the outbreak of H1N1 is in the United States. And what CBS found was that uh, the majority of cases tested negative for H1N1 influenza. In fact, they looked at four states, Florida, California, uh, Alaska, and Georgia, and uh, of the specimen, specimens that were sent into the CDC for testing of suspected H1N1 influenza, anywhere from 83 to 97% of the specimens tested negative for H1N1, and in fact, the majority tested negative for influenza of any kind. And I think that this is very important because, you know, um, in, in about 2002, 2003, when I was uh, sitting as a consumer representative on the FDA Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, I did ask the head of the influenza branch at the CDC the question, how much uh, of all flu-like illness that occurs every year in, the, in America is actually due to influenza? And the answer was about 20%. 
of all the flu-like illness, that is when you come down in the flu season with chills and fever and fatigue and malaise and cough and runny nose, how much of that that's experienced is influenza, type A or type B influenza? Only about 20%. 80% is due to other flu-like illness that can be caused by viruses or bacteria. This becomes a very important point, which is actually confirmed by this latest analysis by CBS, an investigation, because not everything that looks like flu is actually influenza. And only three strains in the seasonal flu vaccine are, are chosen from the type A or type B influenza strains that are circulating worldwide to be in the seasonal influenza vaccine. At this point, this year, we've got three strains of influenza in the seasonal flu vaccine that they're saying everyone needs to get. And then we've got this H1N1 strain in the, in, in the swine flu shots. But the truth is that the majority of the sickness is not influenza of either kind. So I think that we really need to take a deep breath here and uh, put this into perspective and uh, realize that there has been a gross overestimation obviously, by, by the federal health authorities of what actually is occurring out there with regard to this swine flu epidemic. Thank you for summarizing that. And it is particularly interesting to get this new bit of information in light of the fact that of, of the data that we've had prior to this, which is, as you mentioned earlier in an earlier interview, the experience in the Southern Hemisphere, which uh, they are just coming out of their winter season, which is the flu season, of course. And uh, the flu uh, was not... Uh, severe or uh, widespread, and this information was essentially ignored by the federal authorities here. Uh, additionally, uh, the uh, some countries like Finland and Europe have downgraded this already. Uh, they actually downgraded it in the summer from a massive stage six pan- pandemic to to not, to not being a pandemic at all. So, well, and indeed, I think this is we're still operating under a national public health emergency here in this country which I, the National Vaccine Information Center has called several months we, we, ago asking for that to be taken down because we're really not in a true public health emergency, particularly in light of this latest information. Uh, what we're seeing is a regular year where you've got a flu-like illness and in some cases uh, influenza, but it's not severe, it's moderate, and we need to know more about these deaths that have been attributed to H1N1 swine flu. And as we said in our interview uh, earlier this week, we need to find out what exactly were the reasons why these children, the 87 children, died and why any adults are dying from what has been thought to be H1N1 swine flu. Okay, so that was just a clip I wanted to play. There's actually three parts to that, but we're going to cover most of it in the actual uh, text to this article, and you can go listen to that. And there's actually another part for Dr. Horowitz too, but for to try to get everything in and regarding the teaching, I'm cutting, trying to, you know, just give you the main things. So this is um, <clears throat> we start off by in the article, U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is the CDC, states on their main uh, flu site, uh, CDC. .gov forward slash flu, that the flu activity is increasing in the U.S., with most states reporting widespread influenza activity. The CDC goes on to state, and I quote, so far most flu is the 2009 H1N1, sometimes called the swine flu. 
But a three-month-long investigation by CBS News released earlier this week that included a state-by-state test results revealed some very different facts. The CBS study found that H1N1 flu cases are not as prevalent as feared. The CBS article states that if you've been diagnosed probable or presumed 2009 H1N1 or swine flu in recent months, you may be surprised to know this. Odds are you didn't have the H1N1 flu. In fact, you probably didn't have the flu at all. Now, this is a secular source reporting this. Obviously, CBS and the CDC are completely contradicting one another. So then, who's right? The CBS reports that late June 2009, the CDC advised states to stop testing for the H1N1 flu. And they also stopped counting individual cases. The rationale for this, according to the CBS News, was that it was a waste of resources to test for H1N1 flu because it was already confirmed as an epidemic. I mean, this is such bogus garbage that we're dealing with here. They, they just said, well, we're just going to assume we're, we're under this pandemic alert. It's got to be H1N1. Well, isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient for them to be able to advance their agenda? So going further, it says, so just like that, virtually every person who visited their physician with flu-like symptoms since late July was assumed to have H1N1 with no testing necessary because, after all, there's an epidemic. It's interesting to note that at the same time, the CDC decided the H1N1 epidemic warranted no further testing for cases due to its epidemic status. The Finnish health authorities, meaning for Finland, actually downgraded the threat of swine flu. In late July, the health ministry and the National Institute for Health and Welfare in Finland actually removed the swine flu from a list of diseases considered dangerous to the public because the majority of cases were covered without medication or hospital care. And again, the only ones that would require that are people that are totally immunocompromised and or on all type of pharmaceutical drugs typically or or respiratory issues to begin with. Uh, And again, the people that I've had reporting back to me that have got it, the adults are over it in one to two days and the children are over over it in two to three days. And that's been across the board. So, going further, and again, who knows if they really even had it, according to this. I mean, unless they're actually specifically tested for it. As the CDC continues to use fear to motivate and control Americans, and understand, that's what this is all about. Every teaching that I've done on swine flu, and all of this this fervor that's going on in America, it's all fear-based. And everything that I've seen revolving around the medical system regarding, you know, um, diseases and things of this nature. It's a fear-motivated industry. That's how they make their money, through fear and intimidation. Because, hey, they're the ones with the white coats and the magic prescription pads, you know. And they can't be wrong. I mean, look, at they've got these million-dollar facilities, these million-dollar hospitals, colleges, all this, these testing equipment. You know, how could they be wrong? Well, they use fear uh, as their primary tool to motivate people to, um, you know, I, I, cancer is probably the best example of that. You go in and, oh, you know, it's, it's through fear and intimidation, you know, people end up getting chemo and radiation most of the time. And the Bible says that the fear of man bringeth a snare. And this is a form of the fear of man. It's, it's not fear of God, that's for sure. And this is how they, they operate. And I've seen it over and over again. 
So if we go further, before beginning their investigation, CBS News asked the CDC for a state-by-state test results prior to their halting of testing and tracking. The CDC did not initially respond to CBS. Uh, So then CBS went to all 50 states directly. In other words, the CDC sounds like they had something to hide, and we're going to see that. So they went to all 50 states directly, asking for their statistics on state lab-confirmed H1N1 prior to the halt of individual testing and counting in July. What did they find? CBS reported, quote, The results reveal a pattern that surprised a number of healthcare professionals we consulted. The vast majority of cases were negative for H1N1 as well as seasonal flu, despite the fact that many states were specifically testing patients deemed to be most likely to have H1N1 flu based on symptoms and risk factors such as traveling to Mexico. Do you see what a scam this is? This is just unbelievable that they've they've been able to get away with this, but because there's not been enough public outcry and enough people looking into this, they've gotten away with it. As you can see from the CBS News graphic, not only are most cases of the suspected flu-like illnesses not H1N1, they're not even the flu, but more likely some type of cold or upper respiratory infection. That's all it is. Now, they've got a pie chart graph here where it was um, entitled H1N1. This is from CBS News, H1N1 test, overwhelmingly negative. And again, I really believe the Illuminati, the globalists, the elitists, whatever you want to call them, the Luciferians, let this information out to see if there will be any public outcry, to see how, as they would view it, dumbed down the sheeple people have become. If there's no public outcry, then what ends up happening is that gives them the green light to implement their draconian agendas. So, H1N1 tests overwhelmingly negative. You can, I've got this graph. I will have it on the PDF that will be up on the internet. In uh, Florida, there were 8,853 specimens. These are people that they were highly suspecting had H1N1. Of the 8,853 specimens, 83% of them tested negative for the flu in general. That's including um, H1N1 or any flu. And of the 8,853, only 17% actually had H1N1. Now we're going to see they had, that was, Florida was the highest state that actually had H1N1. In Alaska, they had 722 specimens. 93% of those checked negative for the flu in general. 5% of them had the seasonal flu and only 1% had H1N1. Oh wow, we've got a real pandemic on our hands here. Do you see the insanity in this? 1%. And yet we've got to have all of these vaccinations. We've got to declare this public health emergency. Do you see that the numbers are so far off and there's so much covering up they're doing and yet they're being so aggressive with the media, with now Obama declaring this national health emergency. This is really a bad, very extremely bad uh, scenario we're looking at here because they're posturing right now, these globalists, these elitists, these Luciferians are posturing that they're going to pull the trigger on this because they've got all this money invested. We know they want to depopulate the planet. We've looked at what's actually in the vaccines themselves and what may or may not be in them, including for, you know DNA, nanomedicine, nanorobots, injectable microchips, these types of things. 
And it's not even bad yet. So let's go further. Georgia had 3,117 specimens. Of those, 97% checked negative for the flu, period. And only 2% checked positive out of the specimens. These were people that they believed were already infected. Out of them, only 2% had the H1N1 strain. And then California, who had 13,704 specimens, 86% checked negative for the flu in general, 12% for any other flu, and only 2% for H1N1. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real pandemic, you can tell. So, where is the CDC getting their data? Given the CBS News findings that most cases of flu-like illnesses are neither H1 nor the flu, it begs the question, why is the CDC reporting that most flu in the United States is in fact H1N1? Barbara Lowe Fisher, founder of, and that's the lady we just heard, uh, founder of the National Vaccine Information Center, uh, was a consumer representative on the FDA Vaccines and Related Biological Advisory Committee in 2003, and she asked the head of the influenza branch of the CDC how much of the flu-like illnesses that occurs in America every year is actually due to the flu. And we heard her answer, it's about 20%, uh, which more closely responds to the CBS data that we just read. You know, if, But again, actually, the, the data that we just read was actually lower than even 20%. According to the CBS study, when you come down with chills, fever, cough, runny nose, malaise, and all those other flu-like symptoms, the illness is likely caused by influenza at most 17% of the time, and as little as 3%. The other 83 to 97% of the time it's caused by viruses or bacteria, other viruses or bacteria. So remember, not every illness that appears to be the flu actually is the flu. In fact, most of the time it's not. Curiously, the CDC still advises those who were told they had the 2009 H1N1 and there should be immune to getting it again. Okay, and this is the whole concept of supposedly the vaccinations. They give you the partially attenuated or killed virus, and supposedly then your own immune system can ramp up and then you won't get the real thing. Okay, that's their, that's their propaganda. But if you've, the CDC is still telling people if they had the 2009 H1N1 to get vaccinated unless, that they, had, unless they had lab confirmation. Conflicts of interest are rampant in the vaccination infrastructure. The same people who are regulating and promoting the vaccines are also evaluating vaccine safety. We just looked at all of the corruption and interplay that Dr. Horowitz just got into with the Rockefellers and Rupert Murdoch and the guy that owns Reuters. I mean, it goes on and on and on. This is so corrupt, so criminal. That, and it's, it's very sobering to think that the people that are responsible for the largest genocide, the biggest criminals on the planet, the most evil people on the planet, are the very ones that are in control of seemingly all of the major media, all of major governments, all countries, these types of things. The Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne, okay, and he is the one that determines what agenda they're going to be able to implement. In other words, they don't do anything apart. It's not like they can implement something apart from his letting them do this. And the problem is, is we've come to the time when um, the strong delusion, I believe, that the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
where it says God will send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This time is really upon us, the great falling away. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13. This is the time that we're in, really in full swing here. Uh, right up until the, the cusp, I believe we're on the cusp of the, the seven-year tribulation period. So, going further here, let's see here. So, these conflicts of interest and an example. Dr. Paul Outfit of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia earned at least $29 million as part of a $182 million sale by the hospital of its worldwide royalty interest in Merck Rotatech vaccine. He also formally sat on the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices to help create the market for a rotavirus vaccine. These are people that have totally sold their soul to the devil. I, I mean, I literally mean that, probably literally. If you're a Luciferian, if you're a generational Luciferian, you, you literally do sell your soul to the devil. Um, Doc Marquis had talked about that when he was 13 years old, he was his arm was sliced open, he was given a quill pin, uh, feather pen, and in his own blood, he had to sign this lambskin scroll, which was called the Book of the Dead, which essentially was like signing your soul over to the devil. These are people that have literally done this. And, um, I mean, you've got to be evil. You've got to be pure evil especially at the higher levels, to be going along with this. Because they know what they're doing. Now, this type of conflict of interest has been going on for some time. In August of 1999, the government on the Committee on Government Reform initiated an investigation into the federal vaccine policy. During the investigation, the committee extensively reviewed financial disclosure forms and related documents and interviewed key officials from the FDA and the CDC. It was revealed that many individuals on two key advisory committees had financial ties to pharmaceutical companies that manufacture the vaccines. These individuals were even granted waivers, allowing them to fully participate in discussions about vaccine licensing, recommendations for children, despite the fact that federal law states members of advisory committees are required to disclose such ties and recuse themselves from such discussions and decisions. Recusing would be like taking yourself off this case or off this committee. Like if a judge recuses himself... He, he takes himself off this case and another judge is put in his place. So, you may think that the CDC and the vaccine manufacturers must be concerned about safety. As if they released a dangerous vaccine and promoted it to the American public, imagine the lawsuits they would face. This is no longer reality. As the U.S. government has granted vaccine makers total legal immunity from any lawsuits that result from the new swine flu vaccine. You heard um, that Jesse Woodrow say that. I've said it several times. Here's another confirmation. In fact, drug manufacturers got a major boost in protection and were granted unprecedented powers to experiment on the population with the passing of the 2006 Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, or PREP Act. This law allows DHSS Secretary, Department of Homeland Security, I believe, um, to invoke almost complete immunity from liability for manufacturers of vaccines and drugs used to combat a declared health public emergency with the swine flu pandemic qualifying as such. The PREP Act removes your right to a trial by jury unless you can provide clear evidence of willful misconduct that resulted in death or serious injury. But that's not all. First, you must apply for and be granted permission to sue 
You have to be granted permission now to sue the DHSS secretary. The most problematic aspect of this PREP Act is that it removes all financial incentive to make a product safe. See, if they can't be sued and they're and they're totally free from legal, they've got all this legal immunity. Why do they have to make the product safe? You know, I mean, now what their their excuse will be is, oh, we had to get it out. We had such a pandemic. We had such a you know, as, as we saw with the pie charts that we that I just talked about. You know, one percent, you know, three percent, two percent are actually H one N one cases. And who knows how many of them are actually dying from it. The only ones that are going to be dying are the people that were on death's doorstep anyway. They had one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. And they're the only ones that are going to die from it, the way it is right now. And again, if we have a recombination of the H1N1 with H or H5N1 and H1N1, let's say some genetically modified strain, now that could turn into a whole different story altogether. Okay, but... For what we have right now, it's it's almost a non-issue, and yet they're making this gigantic mountain out of a molehill. So, in fact, vaccine makers now have a negative incentive to test for safety, because if they are aware of the problems, then they could potentially be held liable for willful misconduct. As long as they can prove they didn't know of any problem, they will not be liable for damages. Hence, it's in their best interest to know as little about the adverse reactions that it may cause. It seems unimaginable, but you and your children are now being enlisted as unpaid human subject trial subjects for experimental fast-track vaccines like the swine flu vaccine. Recent national polls have revealed that 30 to 50% of many communities are not planning to get a swine flu shot. Man, praise the Lord. But there are many who are still ready to stand in line. If you can... If you have not yet made up your mind and have questions, we have created some fact-filled posters you can print and post all over your community, local stores, offices, and schools. Now, again, I give you the link here to this, and it will be on the PDF, and all my text links now do work on my PDF files. And uh, you can click on that, download as many as you want, do what you have to do. See, I'm doing what I what the Lord's called me to do in this niche. These are things that I really don't have time to do. Although I do go to a local health food store and I give them, every time I have like um, an update, I'll go and give them the paperwork. And they have totally revamped the whole store um, re- based on a little mini seminar that I gave them a few weeks ago. Uh, it's just, a lot of times they're ready for the truth. They just haven't been exposed to the truth. So if you can be the thing that tips them over, that's great. Health food stores are a great place. If you know people, anybody there, uh, they're a great place because then they reach a lot of people. They reach a lot of people in the community that are already in that mindset. So they're excellent to do this uh, with. And, you know, uh, however the Lord convicts you, uh, you can do this. So you can download these posters. You can also visit the special section of Dr. Mercola's sites that's devoted to giving you the latest H1N1 swine flu alerts. That's pretty much what I do, too. There's an excellent go-to source to stay updated on all the swine flu developments. So, And it, I give you all the links to that, so you can, you can uh, pursue that. Now, this next interview, I tell you, this was one of the most amazing things I have ever read uh, regarding vaccinations. This man, this Dr. Andrew Molden, you talk about somebody that is highly educated. 
and has devoted their life to studying the subject. Uh, just, I mean, this guy's got more degrees than a thermometer. I mean, it's regarding, uh, or credentials, I should say. It's unbelievable. I had to edit this article that I'm going to be reading because there was so much where it talked about his initial, his qualifications. We could go on and on and on and on. I'm just going to give you the high points here. But, uh, there's actually, um, a link at the end of this article to the photographic evidence that we're going to be talking about and all of his, his website links that you can learn about this. <laughs> I, I tell you, th- this is just unbelievable what I'm, what I'm getting ready to tell you now here. This is an interview from him from um, 72109. Doc- and these are questions that were being asked to him in the interview. Dr. Molden, can you tell us a bit about your background? He states, I am 44 years of age. I've spent my entire life in academia, university, and clinical health science studies, practice, and research. My area of expertise is neurobehavioral assessment of brain and behavioral disorders. The website that gets into that is www.brainguardmd.com. www.brainguardmd.com. And the link is on the PDF that will be with this. He says, my bachelor's degree is in biological physiology. I graduated valedictorian with an 88% cumulative average from Nipsing University, North Bay, Ontario, in my core specialty. My master's degree was in child development with my main theses in language and neurocognitive development of children and adolescents from Lortarian University. My PhD was in clinical experimental neuro." Physiology, I completed a subspecialization in cognitive neuroscience at the University of Ottawa during the, my PhD degree. I was a natural sciences engineering and research council of Canada scholar on the Ontario Mental Health Foundation, oh, and, and, and Ontario Mental Health Foundation scholar, and Ontario graduate scholar, and I received 27 awards, scholarships for academic research, clinical teaching excellence during my university training. I was ranked in the top 1 to 5% of medical residents during my emergency medical residency rotations in Ottawa. During my clinical residency training, I was ranked in the top 1 to 5% of medical residents during my rotations by my supervisors. Uh, I have elected to devote myself to neurobehavioral neurocognitive assessment and research based upon my PhD and master's training rather than practicing in clinical medicine. For the past several years, I have devoted myself to deciphering neurobehavioral sequel associated with the immune system, hyperstimulation, neurodevelopmental disorders, and ultimately to vaccinations as the common environmental trigger for severe several brain and behavioral disorders. Disorders, I'm sorry. I have... I have studied since my undergraduate degrees. In other words, this guy is totally devoted to looking at how vaccinations are impacting us from a neural, psychological, physiological standpoint in the brain. He says, my work will be submitted for peer review in an upcoming, in the upcoming several months. For now, peer review is available in the last, in the Tolerance Lost DVD series as I have translated the medical sciences into an information and presentation style that can be understood by the public at large, as well as a vaccine injury court special masters. Uh, number two, Dr. Molden, we understand you have made a revolutionary discovery. Can you tell us about it? 
He says, yes, I'll be happy to. Through my extensive research and my work through the years, I have discovered that vaccinations are caused, have caused impaired blood flow or ischemia to the brain and the body from clinically, from clinically silent to death. In other words, what vaccines have done is they've caused this impaired blood flow to the brain and the body, which has resulted from things that are what we would call clinically silent, meaning you don't even know they're there, but it's still a problem, okay? It'd be like, you know... It would be like having like the timing belt on your car, and it's, it's getting ready to go, okay? It's getting ready to, to let's say, snap or whatever. And you don't know it's going to snap, though. There's nothing in your car indicating it whatsoever, but it's a huge, gigantic problem right underneath the surface, the oil light on your car hasn't come on. It's not even picking it up. And then all of a sudden one day it snaps. Well, that went from clinically silent to a gigantic deal instantaneously. That's what he means by clinically silent. I'm trying to put it in a term you might understand. So this has resulted in things, the vaccinations have resulted in symptoms that were clinically silent to all the way up to death. Uh, these are strokes across the board for all of us. In other words, the vaccinations are actually causing these types of what I think he's going to refer to as mini-strokes. Across the board for all of us who are vaccinated. I have reason to believe that all are being affected and all vaccinations are causing the overwhelming rise in autism, specific learning disabilities, attention deficit disorders, sudden infant death syndrome, Gulf War syndrome, dementia, seizure disorders, some cancers, as it would appear, and much, much more. What was it which caught your attention, and then this is a question to him, and tipped you off and incited you to scratch the surface and investigate further? His answer, I was seeing autistic patients coming out of medical school these weren't autistic patients that were in medical school. They were autistic patients he saw as he was coming out of medical school. And they had transcortical motor aphasia, isolation of speech syndromes, very specific cranial nerve palsies that could only be accounted for by an ischemic stroke. An ischemic stroke would be like a lack of blood flow to the brain that causes a stroke. Remarkably, my studies on schizophrenia, dementia, and research expose, exposure to neuroimaging modalities in brain and behavioral assessments before medical school contributed to my ability to, quote, see what has been in front of our eyes all along, that ischemic strokes and brain damages are, are from vaccinations, or at least that's one cause. The problem has been we neither knew how to measure, when to measure, or what to measure, let alone what the limitations were of the tools we have been using to measure brain integrity in health, disease, and disorders. In the past several years, um, I've had to decipher how ischemic brain damages were happening in autism and we were seen, that we were seeing in many other neurodevelopmental disorders. I now believe I have all the answers for this, or so it appears some of the solutions. While polio... Okay, which is not to be confused with domesticated polio. Oh, sorry. Sorry, a little joke there. Anyway, uh, while polio caused the same exact brain damages as all other vaccines. Indeed, Guillain-Barre syndrome and a host of other neurological disorders is being caused by a common mechanism of injury. I'll bet from different triggers for different individuals, this is ischemia, this lack of impaired blood flow uh, circulation, 
we um, we simply did not appreciate what was right before our eyes. In other words, he's found this 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 ischemic problem out that the vaccinations are causing, and nobody's been able to put this together until now. He says, now I am able to see the whole forest despite the trees. Quite literally, I believe I have found and discovered a common mechanism towards acquired human disease and disorder. Uh, It is truly humbling. Fifth question, have you been able to show this and how have you managed to demonstrate this? What medical imaging underlies it all? What medical imaging is the basis for it all? Answer, I have quantified and expanded standard neurological and clinical neuro psychological tools of brain function and assessment. All my tools and techniques are non-invasive, meaning he's not like cutting people over in order to find this out. He says, I am now able to assess in the here and now or looking back even 50 years ago to answer questions as to cause and disease, neurodevelopment disorders, and much more. Remarkably, we can now advance diagnosis of sudden infant death syndrome and I can answer questions relative to, was it a shaken baby? Did vaccines cause the person to have autism? Was the death caused by Gardasil? Did vaccines cause damages? Since the mechanism to damages is common across all, when vaccines are involved, and sometimes even virulent infections and diseases. Sixth question, what is the basic information underlying your claims, and what is the foundation of your beliefs? Answer, germs simply are not the only root cause of death, disease, and disorder. I now have conclusively shown that all vaccines from infancy to geriatric are causing the exact same brain damages irrespective of what diseases or disorders come out of that individual. The damages are specific to end vascular, quote, mini-strokes that are beneath the resolution of our neuroimaging, but measurable in a before and after vaccination protocol. In other words, our neuroimaging, like an MRI or a CAT scan, can't quite see these, but they're there. They're measurable. He has ways of actually doing this, okay, as far as documenting it and finding them. Remarkably, while polio, prenatal German measles, measles, tetanus, Spanish flu, etc., all cause the exact same damages in the pre-vaccine era. Okay. In other words, when we had polio and measles and tetanus and these types of things in the pre-vaccine era, they did the same things to the brain. Okay. I don't think to the extent the vaccines do, but they had a very similar effect. So with vaccinations, we have weakened viruses and bacteria injected into us causing chronic illness and disease in an attenuated form, meaning attenuated means partially killed. The, 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 these things that are injecting into us are, t- are typically in a partially killed form. This is how these pathogens have always caused harm. It is the body's response to foreign things entering it, especially under hypersensitivity states. That is causing neurodevelopmental disorders and chronic illness and much more. Seventh question. You speak of epidemics. What is your understanding of of an epidemic? How does it manifest? His answer. The explanation of an epidemic is simple. We are now seeing one in six children with specific learning disorders. 12 to 15 percent of all children with attention deficit disorder. One in 87 children with autism, which is a 1,700 increase in the past 10 years. One percent, I mean, 1,700 percent increase in autism. This is something that wasn't even this was like non-existent before the vaccination era. One percent sudden infant death syndrome. 40 deaths 
and 15,000 substantive adverse reactions to the Gardasil vaccine. We reported on that extensively last week and in weeks prior. 1 in 15 out of, out of uh, people over 65, there's 1 in 15 that, are, that have dementia. And 1 in 8 over the age of 85. So you have a, a, a relative that has dementia, well, you don't have to really look any farther than the vaccines. Chronic fatigue syndrome, this can cause. Fibromyalgia. Seizure disorders. West syndrome. Not to be confused with East syndrome. Sorry. Sorry about that. A little, little joke there. Anyway, global developmental delay. Um, one in 450 with type 1 diabetes. Not type 2, but type 1. One in two men and one in three women will develop cancer over a lifetime. Remember... Just think of the big picture here. The big picture with the vaccinations has always been money, creating a weak, sickly population, and killing as many people as possible. They're making out every way that they can make out with these vaccines. They're pure evil. And this is a, the ideal way to do it, under the guise of, of the you know, modern-day medical system that many people trust implicitly without question. Gulf War Syndrome. These are more examples. Gulf War Syndrome affecting and disabling 250,000 troops, 42,000 deaths. These vaccinated soldiers show the exact same neurological damages after vaccination as the infants and children are exhibiting after each childhood vaccination. These are strokes. Oxygen demand exceeding oxygen supply conclusively. This is just the tip of the iceberg. These microscopic strokes are happening to the brain and body in immediate and delayed, waxing and waning, acute and chronic ways. This is receiving a plethora of clinical labels. In basic physiology, the base cause is common across the board when these are the vaccinations. There is no such thing as an acquired genetic epidemic. The epidemic is an acquired phenomenon from environmental factors for which I now conclusively show vaccinations are the mass culprit for most of this. Eighth question. What has the response been to your discoveries? How have they been received by how have they been received by the public and the world at large? The public gets it. The chiropractors embrace it. Well, I'm one of them, so I absolutely the medical doctors, including the pediatric neurologists, are stunned by it. But the pharmaceutical and organized medicine cartels must deny it. See, that's the thing. They've got to deny it. There was this thing on Larry King the other night where they had like Susan Summers and uh, that Dr. Brzezinski. He's cured, he's cured all those children of um, cancer with, uh, I think it's an aminoplastin. And they have, I mean, they have crucified that guy. He, he's been thrown in jail. He has been, and he's an MD, curing cancer in Texas. And uh, brain cancer, terminal. Very, very high success rate. And they have just absolutely tried to crucify that guy, you know, slander him, malign him. The American Cancer you, you know, if the American Cancer Society, who were the ones represented there, essentially, that were doing the rebuttal, if they really wanted to find a cure for cancer, why are they maligning and slandering the people that are actually curing cancer? Why are they doing that? Because they have no financial incentive to ever find a cure for cancer. In fact, they're there 
Their very purpose is to make sure that a cancer cure for cancer is never found, ever. But you go ahead and you give them your money, and they'll take it, and it goes right into the pharma cartel, right in, back into the hands of the very people, the very organizations, the very Luciferians that are bent on your destruction. That's what their agenda is. So, these pharmaceutical and organized medical cartels must deny it. The philosophy is, if they cannot deny the message, then they will discredit the messenger. This is the, simply how the system works. The evidence is now self-evident. All you have to do is receive the education you need to appreciate and see what is right before your very eyes, layperson and doctor. My imaging is called the 12 IMAM, 12 I mass anoxia measures, based on 12 cranial nerves, Mass stands for Molden Anoxia Spectrum Syndromes. Anoxia refers to impaired oxygen delivery to the tissues. Ninth question, are there other doctors, researchers, and scientists who share your views and agree with you? Here's his response. All of them, once they take time to learn, it's 100% undeniable. There is no way to refute what can be seen by all now. (laughs) Man, that is absolutely amazing. Okay, um, you know these are these are people that we should be praying for, literally. Um, it's just unbelievable that this information is coming out. It's particularly in light of what we're right on the potentially on the cusp of. So he goes on to say, by example, gravity was with us since the dawn of creation. Sir Isaac Newton did not discover gravity. He simply put the conceptual framework forward as to why apples fall from trees. I have simply put the conceptual framework, science, measurement system, and explanations as to why we are getting sick. And look, all the vaccines are causing the exact same neurological damages irrespective of what disease comes out across the lifespan. This means that that it is something the body does in response to immune stimulation that is causing disease and disorders. I now believe I know what this something is. Tenth question. In your opinion, what percentage of vaccines cause adverse effects? It is my considered opinion, all of them. I can now show evidence to back this up. Because I get this question a lot. Well, what vaccine should I take? They're all evil. They're all bad. They're all death-promoting. Every one of them. There is no safe vaccine. The MDs have admitted this. Okay? I mean, uh, some of the highest level MDs have even admitted this. There is no safe vaccines. Period. Here's another MD confirming this. Or, or, I mean, he's got all kind of degrees, but he says they're all... um, they all cause adverse events. He says, I, I can show you the evidence to back this up. We are all being harmed along the same continuum from clinically silent to terminal disorders and diseases across all organ systems. However, my ability to measure and prove my point for the moment is locked into the brain functions and neurobehavior and neuropsychiatric and neurological conditions primarily. In other words, it's harming all of our organ systems, not just the brain, but see, he's got to start somewhere. And this is his specialty, is neural, the, the, uh, the brain. So this is why... He's reporting on this. Next question. In your opinion, are all vaccines suspect? Or are there certain vaccines that are still acceptable? And if yes, which ones? 
His answer, it is no longer an opinion as, as I now have conclusive evidence to show all vaccines are causing the exact same damages for, for us in the exact same manner that wild polio caused paralysis, respiratory failure, death bleeding into the brain, and more. It is the act of repeat vaccinations, properly spaced apart, that is creating one part of the problem. It is the aluminum that is creating the second part of the problem. All other foreign substances in vaccines are creating a third part of the problem, like adding fuel to the fire. And again, I I would interject there, and that's all by design. Then he goes on to say, one does not need to be directly vaccinated to be vaccine injured. It is my opinion, backed up with conclusive evidence, that all vaccines have to be banned. They are all causing ischemic brain and body damages and chronic illness and disease. Importantly, the vaccines are causing the exact same pathological sequence as wild polio virus does and did to cause paralysis and respiratory failure. This is the same mechanism by which uh, thaldomide causes babies to be born with no arms or legs, Vioxx causes heart attacks and strokes, cholesterol-lowering drugs cause myalgia, and myo, uh, myositis, myalgia is muscle pain, myositis would be muscle inflammation, also cholesterol-lowering drugs, totally shut off your production of CoQ10 production, in the, uh, which the heart is essential for the heart to function, so it sets you up for heart attack. Uh, then also, Spanish flu killed 20 million people in 1918. Swine flu vaccine caused paralysis. And again, let me just restate. Vaccines are causing the exact same pathological sequence as wild poliovirus does. And did to cause paralysis and respiratory failure. This is the same mechanism by which swine flu vaccine causes paralysis. The hep A and hep B vaccines are causing multiple sclerosis. So see, somebody has multiple sclerosis. Right there alone, hep A, hep B vaccines can cause that. Um... A series of anthrax vaccines causes female veterans to give birth to infants with no arms or legs 18 months after the vaccination. All vaccinations are causing autism spectrum and learning disabilities, SIDS and ADHD. Repeat flu vaccinations are causing dementia. Tetanus causes lockjaw. This is an ischemic stroke and evolution to the brain from from blocked blood flow. Vaccination induces Guillain-Barre syndrome. These are the endovascular strokes. Um, to descending motor tracts in the brain and brain damage. Smallpox killed and caused skin lesions. This was dermal ischemia, impaired capillary blood flow. And congenital rubella in the pre-vaccine vaccine era caused ischemic damages to body, brain, and lung. Next question. What prevents your discoveries from being accepted and taken into account? This is something I need to publish. However, I put all my efforts toward putting my evidence before the United States Federal Court as the only way to stop this out-of-control train wreck is to hold the system accountable in court. Broadly, else there will be no disincentive to the firms that make vaccines for profit to make vaccines available. Now, I hate to burst this bubble on this one, but I watched my parents lose their uh, multi-million dollar company uh, to you know, one of the most wicked, richest families up in Minnesota. And they literally had all the judges bought off. And they even came down here and bought off the judges. In fact, they flew one in. They flew a federal judge in, which was like a federal uh, gun for hire, just to rule on my parents' case. 
This is how wicked the court systems is. So, the only way that would possibly happen is if the Lord Jesus Christ intervened in that situation. And so, again, pr- pray for this man that he has favor regarding that. He goes on to say, remarkably, I've made evidence so glaringly obvious you can quite literally now see for yourself in the here and now, and going back 70 years ago, if, dam- if damages happened then, this is achieved via the... Uh, He's able to do this via the BrainGuard MD, non-invasive functional neurovascular neuromotor, neuromotor neuroimaging suite. And again, I haven't checked into that yet because my time's so limited, but it sounds like he's got all of the documentation uh, procedures all set up. Next question. What are your opponent's main viewpoints and claims? His answer. They have none. There are no other viewpoints anymore. The truth is now self-evident. All they have to do is come and listen. Come and look. All who take the time to learn and be educated with the evidence I can now show are speechless. From pediatric neurologists to all medical and paramedical professionals alike, the vaccine courts have nothing to do with the truth. We shall see what viewpoint emerges from that pit in time. What are your thoughts on the various therapies and disciplines used to treat vaccine adverse events? He goes on to say, call me. Um... The, his 800 number is 1877-NOW-I-CAN. Not to be confused with Obama's, yes you can. This is now-I-CAN. Okay, so 877-NOW-I-CAN. Um, he says, assessment first, diagnosis second, treatment third. We, we use darts now to hit bullseyes, leaving the watermelons to the uh, allopathy, which is the MDs. I have some answers that can be implemented immediately. However, the entire system has been thrown out of balance. The body can heal, the brain included. You simply have to target several bullseyes simultaneously to restore the self-healing powers God gave all of us in our bodies and and that we have the capacity to do. Um... So, for now, we can be found online at www.brightstepsforward.org, brightstepsforward.org, and www.therapies4kids.com. And again, all these links are going to be on the PDF file. You will never see a U-Haul following a funeral procession. Perhaps there's more to life than collecting possessions. God will never fault you for doing the right thing. Fault will be found and not doing anything despite the ability, knowledge, and ability to do otherwise. In other words, you know, if you know, for, for those that know, that know to do something and do it not, it is sin. To do something that is right, that is good, you know. And this is obviously a very good thing regarding this whole um, matter because we've got so many millions of people that have been damaged and injured from the vaccinations. And then he goes on to end by saying, I welcome coming into your country to penetrate the vaccine darkness with light for one and for all. Dr. Andrew Molden, MD, PhD. And uh, another website he's got is www.vactruth.com. And uh, you can actually see the video interview that we just described. There's a link I'll give you at the end of this article and the photographic evidence, another link. So... Guy, it's just amazing, absolutely amazing stuff here. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip here, which um, is from a show called Stargate SGI. 
and this is Stargate SGI 2010, Vaccine of Horrors. This is just about a five-minute clip here that we will be playing. for greetings from our president and hope that we can forge a friendship that will enrich both our peoples. Okay, just to give you a little background from what I could gather from this clip, these people from um, uh, the Earth are coming to this other planet, meeting this other race. They look just like us, whether that's the case, I don't know. But they're um, coming to this race, extending their greetings, and that's the scenario here. An ancient city once stood here. Ancients are extinct. What is the current population of Earth? Some of the neighborhood of uh, six billion? Growing at a rate of several million a year. That growth rate is unsustainable. We agree. You well, again, that's one of the major New Age buzzwords that you hear now bantered around by UN and Mother Gaia advocates. The word sustainable. It's a nice way of saying we've got to depopulate the planet as to not grieve Mother Gaia any further. So it's the whole New Age mantra being spewed out here. Present the dominant nation. That is a fair assessment. And so are you taking military action to curtail this growth rate? No. Here's something. The headlines have something about <laughs> Notice he says, are you taking military action to curtail the growth rate? Okay, as though that's, you know, he says it in a way like, well, aren't you doing this? And they say no. And these people are, uh, there's also a group that are on the planet at the same time, and they're researching this planet that they came to, which was actually once inhabited by a race of whatever. I don't know if they were humans or, or, or whatever they're portraying here. And they're finding out that this race was all of a sudden kind of like wiped out over time for, you know, they're trying to figure out what the reasons are. And we'll find out in a second. Endemic, some sort of... I can't translate that, maybe fever. Now, assuming the issue of the newcomers in this article, they provided a... can't translate that word either, but it appears to have been some sort of vaccine. And the Volian people were immensely grateful. We can put an end to disease. Double the human lifespan. Around 200 years ago, the Volians were a thriving urban civilization, approximating turn-of-the-century North America in terms of technology. It wasn't very long ago. No, it wasn't. What happened to them? Well, all we know is that there was a, a flu pandemic, similar to the one on Earth in 1918, killed over 20 million people. Now, that is when the Ashen came. Notice, that's when the Ashen came and gave them the vaccination when they had their swine or Spanish flu pandemic of 1918-19. So, in other words, they came at a time when the people were at their most, most desperate, offering them this vaccine and offering them supposedly medicine that could more than double the lifespan and cure all diseases. Again, this is what a lot we see a lot with the whole alien agenda, this posturing that when they're able to finally make their appearance, when Maitreya is finally able to come and the Ascended Masters and the aliens or whatever agenda is going to work out, they have postured through channelings, through psychic readings, through out of their own mouths or whatever, that they're going to have all of this wonderful, wonderful technology that are going to cure all of our ills. Uh, we're going to have free energy. We're going to have... Um, they're going to cure all the diseases. Everything's going to be this utopic-like thing. But the thing is, is when you make a deal with the devil, there's always a uh, 
unbelievably horrific price to pay. We offer membership within the Ashen Confederation. So I'm the only one that has a bad This um, this guy, he's this high-level uh, Luciferian politician. He's saying, "Historic day, General." They're opening up this Stargate, which I've done studies on Stargates before. You can keep that in the search box on Sermon Audio. This Stargate concept is being so shoved down our throat with the media, with a lot of the sci-fi shows. There's Stargate SGI. There's Stargate Atlantis. Now there's a new one called Stargate Universe. Okay, and it all has has to do with us interacting with alien races, this and that, technology exchange, just a lot of stuff that um, lines up with a lot of what we're doing. And this guy standing here in this um, the Stargate room, which is actually in um, I know the room is the, the way they're portraying it is it's in that uh, Colorado colorado underground base that they've got and this guy's got he has his hands folded with a cornudo sign right there i'm showing taylor he's got the cornudo sign as the stargate's opening up and he's saying it's this wonderful day you know that in in humanity's history when this ashen these alien this alien type population comes through with this vaccination quite ironic actually We were completely taken in. This way they didn't have to fire a shot. It's slow, methodical, painless. Okay, then why provide a vaccine that almost doubles the human lifespan? That doesn't make any sense. Unless that's the mechanism they use to sterilize the population. They're certainly patient enough. All they have to do is wait. See, that's the thing, is it's proven fact that many of these, these vaccinations sterilize the population. The Gardasil vaccine alone that they're giving to, you know, to preteen girls who would be the most I mean if you're, if you're going to try to depopulate the planet that's who you're going to want to target preteen girls that are just coming into childbearing years you know sterilize them and again it's just exactly what's really going on in real life being portrayed to us in a kind of a different way with this Stargate clip and again she says you know they they came in and they they implemented this draconian agenda without having to fire a shot. And that's really the key, is, is that's the key behind vaccinations as well. They don't have to come out, and it doesn't have to be necessarily like Nazi Germany, if they can do it through the needle. And within 200 years, there will be very few, if any, humans remaining. Yes, you will have this world to themselves. No, you're wrong. I saw the numbers, Joe. The Ashen doctor said you were fine. This isn't just about me. I read this right from an Ashen terminal. Mom gave me access to work on something else. The birth rate has been cut over 90%. Okay, so she just finds out, Colonel Carter just finds out that she's, I, I believe, sterile. 
from this vaccination, and now they're finding out that it's over 90% reduction in birth rate once you take the vaccination. So, again, he said, oh, it's only supposed to be a third of that. In, order, in other words, the, these alien creatures or whatever, of course they appear as human, told him, oh, it's only going to be a, a third, a 33% reduction in birth rate if we give you the vaccination. This is the way that we're going to curtail population growth on your planet. It turned out to be 90%. See, when you make a deal with the devil, don't expect him to, to tell you the truth. See, they see further ahead than we do. They knew that if we didn't limit growth, we wouldn't... Is that what you call this? Well, obviously this is not what we agreed to. I can't believe this. We didn't have a choice, Sam. You sold us out. Let me tell you something, Carter. Why don't we erase your mistakes? That's your business. My conscience is clear. I warned everybody. I threw up the red flag and everybody, including you, shut me down. I'm asking you to put that behind us. You're not happy with the way things turned out? I'm sorry to hear that. Well, we have to do something. I, I, I don't know. I mean, tell somebody. Vaccine causes what? I don't know. But it caused something. Because in the span of 200 years, the Voyans went from an urban civilization of millions to an agrarian civilization of thousands. After they were saved by the Ashen. And that's exactly how they're going to come to save us. Look at what we have premiering on TV, I believe, on November 7th. V. What is the concept of V? Alien race that comes to save us. Okay? Cure our diseases. Actually be our gods. In fact, what they're going to do and what they've been doing on individual abduction cases for decades and decades is, is telling and posturing that, listen, we created you. We created humanity. Go watch the last scene of Mission to Mars. If you can go up on YouTube and push, put in last scene Mission to Mars on YouTube. And you'll see the whole agenda there in about a three to four minute time span. Where they will claim, and they have been claiming, that they created us. We were their little science project. This is called the Ancient Astronaut Theory. And this has a lot to do with the core root of intelligent design as well. Okay, so don't think intelligent design is Christian. I've done two teachings, I believe, on on intelligent design. You can go key in, or you can key in ancient astronaut in the keyword search box on Sermon Audio under Dr. Scott A. Johnson. You can key that in and, and, and listen to their agenda. And we were their little science project they created, and this has to do with a combination of uh, they were these space gods from long, long ago, and through the process of evolution, we did end up evolving into what we are now. And now we've messed things up so bad that they're going to have to come back and police their little science project and save the planet. So again, we have a big combination of a little bit of everything in this one clip. This is an example of a bioweapon. living radioactive genetic material that may be designed to attack and destroy only the specific DNA of your enemy. 
Okay, and this is uh, under the guise of Stargate 2010. Hmm, that's what we're going into, the year 2010. Interesting. He also shows them at the very end a bioweapon that is specific for the DNA, to destroy the DNA of your enemy. Okay, so they've got a way of evidently doing that. So that's another way they could come to you bearing gifts. Okay, and again, I just thought that this clip was uh, pretty amazing in light of everything that we're, we're looking at today here. A lot of confirmation here. The last article is entitled, uh, A Vaccine for Anxiety. The Real Reason Why Drug Companies Are Pushing More Vaccines. This is from Naturally News again, Mike Adams. This goes on to say that there's a new vaccine for nicotine addiction and another one for drug addiction. Well, I thought vaccines were, were meant to treat like diseases and viruses and bacteria and, and things of this nature. What does nicotine addiction have to do with being vaccinated? There's another one for drug addiction. There's another, there's an AIDS vaccine that doesn't work. And a vaccine for cervical cancer that's been approved for use on boys that don't have a cervix. Through the pharmaceutical industry, the big push for vaccines is on. We talked about the, the Gardasil vaccine for boys last week. So, But why exactly is there this push? Is there suddenly a new rash of epidemic diseases requiring vaccine treatments? No. The, so uh, what's, the, what's new is the way the big pharma is latching onto these diseases as new opportunities to sell more drugs. They're not diseases. They're, they're um, conditions more than anything. There's a huge shift underway from drugs designed for sick people to a whole new class of drugs manufactured for healthy people. The new paradigm is that people need drugs before they get sick as a sort of protection against sickness. So if they can vaccinate you more healthy people, then they can get the healthy people dumbed down, sick, and dead as soon as possible. See, that's the goal. Okay, So up until now, they've only really been had an excuse to go after the sick people or ones that, you know, but now, of course, with the flu vaccines, that's really not the case because they're telling everybody to get it. Going further, it says drugs, in essence, are being positioned as nutrients, things that the human body needs in order to be healthy. And I've said this before, but when you get a headache, it's not because you have a Tylenol deficiency in the bloodstream. Okay, There's other factors that go into getting, most of the time from a chiropractic standpoint, it's that the neck's out of position. Maybe you're low in magnesium, which has to do with the vasodilation of, um, of uh, arteries and veins and things of this nature regarding impeding blood flow. You may have a toxic liver, which can create a toxic bloodstream, which can cause headaches. There's a lot of different causes for headaches. You could have adrenal, your adrenals could be totally burned out, which can cause adrenal hypotension headaches. Uh, things of that nature, okay? So again, uh, if we go further, let's see here. Drugs are being prepositioned as nutrients, things the body needs to be healthy, and from the moment you're born, you're considered deficient in these drugs. That's why babies are injected with vaccines within minutes after being born. we got to get that satanic vaccine into the baby to maximally defile it, both body, soul, and spirit, right from the moment it's born. Why do I say defile its body, soul, and spirit? Because many of these vaccines are grown off aborted babies off aborted fetal cell lines. They're called human diploid cell lines in the PDR. And there's at least 13 that are, and there's probably double that 
I documented 13 in my PowerPoint presentation up on YouTube. You can go see that. Just key in Avion, Dr. Scott Johnson, and you'll see the presentation. It's easily documentable. There's a strong belief in the medical industry that babies are born deficient in vaccines and that such deficiencies must be corrected as soon as possible. How sickening. What an abomination. This simple but powerful shift in marketing strategy of Big Pharma has expanded the potential customer based from a subset of the population, people who are sick, to an entire world population. Now everybody needs a vaccine for something, say, the drug companies say the drug companies. All that's necessary for the financial success of these scheme is to convince sick people that they need more drugs or vaccines, and that's easily accomplished through disease-mongering campaigns like the current H1N1 swine flu push. There's another important shift taking place alongside the big vaccine push, and it's a shift away from evidence-based medicine to a new medical paradigm of dogmatic belief, like a religion. Okay, Medicines that treat sick people, you see, have have to be proven to work. There have to be clinical trials. Some percentage of those sick people uh, have to show some sort of improved response after taking the medicine. This is the so-called gold standard of modern medicine. And it's not a gold standard, but that's they're at least they have at least in times past done that. But the vaccines with no proof of efficacy is required. No placebo-controlled studies need to be conducted at all. Vaccines can be openly marketed and prescribed without any evidence that they actually work. This is the new free pass for big pharma. Now, remember, we already know they have a free pass on liability. You can't sue them. Now they've got a free pass on the way they develop drugs and release them as well, which is a class, this free pass is a class of medicine that requires no proof. They merely need to be injected into a few hundred people who are observed for as little as two weeks to see if anybody died or collapses into a coma. That's all the testing that's required. And even if that's the case, many times that's covered up. And sometimes there's even less testing. No long-term safety tests are required or pursued. And importantly, there is no requirement that the vaccine proves it actually works to reduce flu infections or HPV infections, etc. So that's our teaching for today for um, our updates on the swine flu. I'm going to try to do one right now on on this Copenhagen Treaty that a lot of people have been talking about. And uh, so we'll go to uh, the third part of our study today next. God bless you.